but it is good to see you this morning. Uh, if we don't know each other, my name is Brian. I'm the teaching pastor here in Belmont, and it's, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, we are going to be in Mark chapter 2 today, at the, actually the end of Mark chapter 2 and the beginning of Mark chapter 3. So you could take one of those Bibles that's in the seats in front of you, or you could, you could open up the app on your phone, whatever you got. And uh, there's four books in the New Testament that talk about the life and ministry of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Like I said, we'll be in Mark chapter 2, starting verse 23, and we'll be there in just a moment. Let me ask you this as we get into this. Have you ever had a situation in which something that was supposed to be a blessing, something that you thought was going to be a blessing, turned into a burden, right? Something you thought was going to be a blessing, something that right off the bat seemed like it was going to be a great deal, sounded nice, but it turned into a burden. I feel like that happens to me whenever a company tells me I can get a rebate on the product that they're selling me. Hey, hey, you just pay me $300 now, but we'll give you a $75 rebate. I think, oh, it's great. And then I pay the $300 and I get the $75 rebate and the, the packet of things that have to be filled out is about this thick uh, and I need receipts and I need to mail it a certain way. And by the end of the day, the process that it takes to go through to get that rebate sometimes just doesn't seem worth it to get back what it is that they're promising to get back. Or you get a gift, maybe you got a gift and you opened it up and it didn't quite fit or it didn't quite look right or maybe you already had it and the person says, no problem, there's a gift receipt in there, uh, you can just take care of that. And you think to yourself, wow, this was supposed to be a blessing and now I have errands to run uh, and take care of and blessings can easily turn into burdens. Remember when you took that driver's test and you thought to yourself, oh, what a blessing it's going to be to be able to drive, and you passed the driver's test, and then all of a sudden there were car payments, and you learned about insurance. I mean, when I was 16, they, they were like, now you got to buy insurance. Like, what is insurance? And then you get into a fender bender, and all those costs go up, and there's gas, and people are like, hey, now you can drive your sibling around, and all sorts of things start to happen to you, and what was, you thought was going to be a big blessing turns into a burden. I wonder if... I wonder if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, if that's what's happened a little bit in this sermon series. Because we come into this sermon series and we're talking about rest. And we're talking about how you need rest. And we're talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago, God's commandment in the book of Exodus to his people that they take a Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's one of the Ten Commandments, number four, right there. And then we talked last week, Andrew led us and talked about where it's in the book of Deuteronomy that God reiterates those Ten Commandments and they're listed again. And there's the Sabbath that you ought to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And we're talking about the importance of rest and finding time in your schedule to rest. And I don't know if you're like me. I heard somebody say this morning, the hardest part of this sermon series is that I'm all stressed out trying to figure out when I'm going to stop and rest. And I don't know if that's, if that's how that works in your mind, but your life is so busy. And if you're like me, you start to feel guilty that you're not resting enough, that things are too jam-packed. And you're saying to yourself, all right, in light of everything that I have going on, I get it. There's this command in Scripture to rest. We're supposed to do that. There's a lot of good things God says to do it. But between work and school and kids' athletics and the meetings that I'm doing and serving in the church and serving in my community and all of the things, cutting the grass and taking care of all the things that I have to take care of, when in the world am I actually 
actually supposed to find the time to rest. And so not only have we told you that you should be resting, but now we've stressed you out and made you feel guilty because you're not doing it the way that God says to do. And what happens is, is that something that's supposed to be a blessing, it starts to feel a little bit like a burden. You just leave feeling guilty. I know I should be doing this more. I know I should be resting more. But it's hard. And if you feel that way, uh, you, you probably feel a lot like the people of Jesus' day. One of the things that we're doing in this sermon series is that we're, we're walking through what Scripture says about rest and Sabbath. And we're, we're doing it throughout. We started in Exodus and then we moved to Deuteronomy. And now we're going to take a leap and we're going to look at, at Jesus, some of Jesus' interaction with the Sabbath. And then next week we'll finish up. We're actually going to look at, at some verses out of the book of Hebrews. And uh, what's happening in Jesus' day is that what was supposed to be a great blessing, this gift of rest, uh, technically under the Old Testament law, the, the seventh day from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday was a day of worship and, and rest, to cease work and to enjoy the good things of God, a blessing for the people. But by the time Jesus comes around, and it's, it's become something that's a great burden. And it's become a burden because of the way that the religious teachers and the religious leaders have made sure that the people took full advantage of this gift and this, bur- and this blessing. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he, he, he kind of he pushes back on that. And we see it very clearly here in two examples that Mark writes down for us. And so we're in Mark chapter 2, verse 22. One Sabbath, he, that's Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry? He and those who were with him how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their hearts, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him. How to destroy him. You take a look at at these verses and this interaction, and it's clear that the Sabbath is a blessing that can easily become a burden. The Sabbath is a blessing that can easily become a burden. And in Jesus' day, this is exactly what had happened. Uh, the people that study these things, the scholars, they say that, 
that by the time that Jesus comes on the scene, uh, the Pharisees had developed, the religious leaders had developed 39 categories of rules, and every category had listings underneath that, that t- said exactly what fell under those 39 categories as to work that you could not do. And here for you this morning are all 39 categories. This is what the Pharisees in Jesus' day were telling the people that they could not do on the Lord's day. Carrying, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, shaping, plowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, threshing, winnowing, selecting, sifting, grinding, kneading, combing, spinning, dyeing, chain stitching, warping, weaving, unraveling, building, demolishing, trapping, shearing, slaughtering, skinning, tanning, smoothing, and marking. All 39 of those things were absolutely forbidden on the Sabbath. And it got so bad uh, that people were counting their steps on the Sabbath so that you wouldn't cross that line from just needing to get around to actually working on the Sabbath. Now, as you can expect, that, that, uh, that turns what's supposed to be a great day, a blessing, into somewhat of a miserable day where you're really worried about offending God if you do the wrong thing or offending the religious people or offending your family. And perhaps some of us grew up in a, in a household like this where, uh, where you start to, Sundays, the Lord's Day, is the day when everybody dresses up and everybody smiles and nobody does anything wrong. And then you come home and you sit there uh, with extended family who you may or may not like spending time with. And everybody has to be there in their Sunday best. And some of us grew up in situations like that, where a day that was supposed to be a blessing, it really felt burdensome in, in some ways. And Jesus comes on and he says, he says listen, you, you've messed this up. This is not what this is supposed to be. Jesus is kind and compassionate and loving and gentle, uh, except with the Pharisees, except with the religious leaders. He likes to push their buttons, and he knows that they're watching. He breaks at least two things on this list of 39 things, and the first one has to do with reaping or threshing or harvesting. We read that he and his disciples, they were walking through a grain field, and some of his disciples plucked heads of grain and were eating them as they were walking. A necessary thing to do is to eat. However, the rules would say that you should have prepared everything that you were going to eat on the Sabbath day, the day before, so that there would be no working. And what the disciples are doing is something that's very normal in that day and age. Uh, meaning the corners of people's fields were always available for people who were walking and hungry to pluck some of the grain. It was the way the community, one of the ways that the community took care of each other. There was no market basket. There was no shaws. You can't just go and buy food. Either you grow it or you don't have it. And so this was a way that they supported one another. This is like walking on, uh, on a trail and coming upon fresh blackberries. It's all right if you take a few, right? Enjoy yourself. Now, it would be wrong if you got a chainsaw and cut up all the blackberry bushes on the trail and took them all home. Same thing would be wrong if you walked into somebody's field and started harvesting their wheat. But if you're walking along and you need food, it was okay. 
And that's what the disciples did. So they weren't stealing, but they were reaping on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees come up, and they're clearly upset about this. Because the disciples are working, they're doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And Jesus brings up this moment in the life of King David. Well, he wasn't king at the time yet. Well, he kind of was. <laughs> he was made anointed king, but wasn't yet on the throne. And he's running from the current king, Saul, who wants to kill him. And as he's running with his men, he comes upon the priest uh, who has holy, consecrated bread, called the bread of the presence there. And David says, my men and I are tired and hungry. Do you have anything to eat? And the priest says, all I have is this bread. It is unlawful for you to eat it, according to the law. But the right thing to do is to give it to you. And so he gives it to David and his men, and they eat of it. And Jesus says, you're telling me that it's not okay for my, for my disciples to, to pick some heads of grain, but what, it was okay for David to take the bread of the presence and eat it. And you need to be aware that it's, it's not okay to put unnecessary burdens on people on this day. And then Jesus walks into the synagogue. And there's a man there that has, the script text says he has a withered hand. Some sort of deformity. And Jesus knows the Pharisees are just white hot mad already. And not only does he go and heal this man, but before he heals him, he takes a look at the Pharisees and he says, Is it wrong to do things that are good on the Sabbath? And they don't answer. He calls them out in front of whoever is present. And I don't know exactly, I looked through all 39 of these. I don't know exactly what, what of the 39 Jesus is breaking here, but there's something about healing, doing his work. He's a healer, doing his work on the Sabbath that, that really upset the religious leaders. And Jesus heals the man and does what is right. And in the midst of all of this, he says this, this phrase to, to the Pharisees in verse 27. He says to them, listen, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. You were not made for it. And what Jesus is saying is God did not create a day of rest for you to take and then form it and put boundaries around it and shape it and make it look a certain way and then lord it over the people so that they would, would have to follow the rules that you've made up. It was a way to gain power and control over the people. And Jesus said, God did not give you this so that you could, could then be, be in control of the people and shape it the way that you want it to be shaped. God created in six days. And on that sixth day, he made you. He made Adam and Eve. And then he said that it was 
not just good, at the end of every day in the text he says it's good, but at the end of the sixth day when all creation is in place, if you look back at the text, and Adam and Eve are created and they're there together in the garden, God looks at creation and says it's very good. And then he stops and enjoys. He doesn't stop and regain his strength. He doesn't stop and reap benefits. I came upon a book this week. It was by Senator Joe Lieberman. And he had written a book a number of years ago uh, that, that uh, talks about the benefits of the Sabbath. And I read the little the jacket cover of the book. And it said, the Sabbath is great because it makes you more productive and more energized. And it's good no matter what religion you're from, whether you're Jewish or Christian or, or Islamic or Buddhist. The idea that you would take time to rest so that you can do more has many benefits. That's not why God created the Sabbath. And if you're hearing that in our sermons, uh, that's not what we're trying to say. Now, is there, are there benefits in resting and getting enough sleep? Yes. That's not why God created the Sabbath. God said it is good. I'm modeling for you. He wasn't tired. God does not t- get tired. It wasn't like he had done six days of work and said, oh my gosh, if I don't take a break, I'm going to burn out here. Like, that wasn't him. He said, this is, this is the model. You work hard. You do what it is that I've gifted you to do. You create, you build, you produce, and you enjoy. You rest in my presence and enjoy good things. I mean, look at what we see Jesus doing on the Sabbath. He's worshiping in the synagogue. He is healing on the Sabbath. He is with his disciples walking and talking and eating on the Sabbath. There is an enjoyment there that the rules were stealing from the people. You are made in the image of God. And as someone who is made in that image, someone who is an image bearer, it is part of your image to do the things that God did. And what God did was he produced for six days, called it very good, and then enjoyed what was very good. And so it is right, not as a rule, but as an image bearer of God for you to work hard and to produce and then to relax in his presence and enjoy the good things. And Jesus said, this was made for you. And this is about God's impression on you. This is not about you impressing God. Now, I have to be honest with you. I hope I can be honest with you, right? You're like, I hope you're being honest the whole time. I'm being honest the whole time. (laughs) I'm not really good at this. Like, just personally. When I this is one of those things that as I'm preaching it, I'm also feeling very convicted. Because our schedule is tight right now. We have three little kids, and they're involved in a lot of different activities, and we love it. We like that. We like that they're involved in a lot of different activities. My wife is, is, uh, she is awesome at her job, but it carries responsibility with it, and that makes us busy. Um, I, I love, a couple years ago, I, I started working bivocationally at the church, so I work here at the church. I also have a professional job outside of the church. That keeps us very busy. 
And here's the thing, we love it. Like, we just like to, to, I like to do things and produce and accomplish things. I love checking things off a list and feeling like things are getting done. And the truth is, if you really want to know the truth, a number of weeks ago when we sat in our sermon planning meeting, and Pastor Rick came to us and he said, Pastor Rick actually told me I should share this on Sunday, so I'm sharing it with his blessing. Uh, when I, the truth is, Pastor Rick came and he's like, I'm just really feeling like we should do four weeks on rest. Like, how does everybody feel about that? And everyone out at the table was saying like, oh yeah, the rest, and that sounds great, Pastor Rick, and you're so wise and you're brilliant and you've come up with this again. And I was like, I think this stinks. Like, I don't like this idea at all. I, I, we got to get some stuff done. Like, why don't we preach about getting some stuff done? Uh, the, preaching about rest and talking about rest and, and resting, it just doesn't necessarily come naturally to me. And I'm always convicted with this group. I'm not with Andrew and with Pastor Rick and Pastor Marvin and this whole preaching group that gets together. And anyone we bring in, they're always journaling and always resting. And they're always like, they're, they're so much more spiritual than I am. And I'm constantly convicted by that. I'm being serious. Because I, all the pastors I meet, they journal, and they keep all these journals, and God tells them things through their journals. And I have tried to journal a thousand times. I have 500 journals that just have a date in them and nothing else. And we have these conversations, and they'll say things like, that reminds me when I was journaling what God said to me. And I think to myself, why can't I get this right? Why can't I do this? I literally write the date, and then I've got nothing else. And they say, write what you feel. And I feel like writing, I don't like journaling. <laughs> and I, 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 but I respect that from, from the pastors that are around me. There's a gifting there that I need. And so it's, it's hard for me. It feels burdensome. So when I read texts like this, I need to be reminded of something. And I feel like what I need to be reminded of, and maybe you do too, is that rest, like godly rest, Sabbath shifts from burden to blessing when you find yourself resting in Jesus Christ. Jesus says it this way. He says that the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And that's a very significant thing that he's saying there to the Pharisees. He's saying to the Pharisees, he's saying the Son of Man, and he's ascribing to himself a phrase that is found in the book of Daniel that speaks of someone who will inherit an eternal kingdom. That's where that phrase, Son of Man, comes from. It's from the Old Testament. It speaks to somebody who will inherit an eternal kingdom. The religious leaders are very familiar with that phrase. For Jesus to ascribe that phrase to himself means that he is saying, I am the one who is going to inherit an eternal kingdom, and I am the Lord even of the Sabbath. Meaning, I was there when the Sabbath was created. I'm bigger than your rules. I don't have to fall underneath your rules. I built this whole thing with my father. And I know how it's supposed to be done. I know how it's supposed to take place. And there is nothing wrong with taking time to worship and enjoy the good things of the Lord and to spend time with your disciples walking to the field and eat some grain and to find somebody in need and help them and take care of them. Those are all good things that God would call us to do. And I'll tell you what I do need in my life. 
I need times in my life where I am coming back in the midst of my busyness and in the midst of the schedule and all the dreams that I have and things that I want to get done and things I hope to produce one day, all of that thing that's happening inside of my head and in my life. I need times to come back and to remember that Jesus Christ is Lord over all of that. And when I remember that Jesus Christ is Lord over it all, he's Lord over the work, He's Lord over this church. He is Lord over my life. He is Lord over my children. He is Lord over my marriage. He is Lord over my extended family. He's Lord over my finances. He's Lord over my health. He's Lord over every single thing that affects my life. And some of you need to know this this morning. You need to be reminded of this because you are going through things and you are facing things that feel very burdensome today. And it could be your marriage, it could be something that's happening in your family, it could be loss that you're experiencing, it could be that some blessing, something that you thought was going to be a blessing, like having a child, or getting married, or buying a house, or buying a new car, feels very burdensome right now. And you need to be reminded that Jesus is Lord over it all. And there's something that happens when we rest in that reality, that the burdens that we carry are lifted when we remember this. All it did was make the Pharisees more angry. At the end of this passage, they're plotting with the Herodians, that's some Romans, they're plotting with the Romans how they might kill Jesus. Because Jesus is saying, I'm above your rules. I'm Lord over this, I'm Lord over you, I'm the one that's inheriting the eternal kingdom. And that so offends them with their ability to control people through their religious rules that they want to kill Jesus and get rid of him. But that's who Jesus is. And I need to be reminded, I need to be reminded over and over and over again, That my acceptance before a heavenly father comes only through my relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing else. Nothing I produce. I need to be reminded that Steve Jobs stood before a holy, awesome God. And, and when he said, do I know you? All that mattered was whether or not he knew Jesus Christ. And I don't know that. But I produce the iPhone means nothing. I made a billion dollars means nothing. All that matters is do you know the Lord of the Sabbath? Are you in relationship with him? Do you rest in him? This begs one final question that I'm going to say quickly and then we'll, we'll close our time together. I know this question is on people's minds because uh, some of you have emailed, some of you have asked about it. And so I just want to uh, tell you briefly where, where I land on, on this issue. The question is, if it's a command to keep the Sabbath, and Jesus here is redefining this a little bit, what does that mean for modern day Christians? Because it's very clear in the Old Testament that the Sabbath is the seventh day. The Sabbath is sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. And does that mean for Christians today? Some people would say, that means for Christians today, uh, you need to observe this Sabbath day and keep it holy just the way that God says. And if you are working through Saturday, for if you are doing anything, working from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, you are in violation 
of God's law. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week. And we'll look at some other New Testament passages that speak to this. I do not think that you are sinning if you're not observing the Sabbath the way it was observed in the Old Testament. I think that Jesus is starting to make that clear here. And it becomes clear in other places in the New Testament. However, and this is a much longer argument I'm not going to get into, and I'm happy to discuss it at any time. However, it would be very unwise and unbiblical to completely toss it out the window. Uh, Paul talks about this. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, he has this phrase, and he's actually talking about the foods that are eaten. Because in the Old Testament, right, that you're very restricted on what food can be eaten. And now, living under Christ, Paul is saying, I can pretty much eat whatever I want now that Christ has come and fulfilled the Old Testament law. And he's asking the question, I, yeah, I can, I can do the certain things, but I have to ask myself, is it actually helpful to reaching other people? Like, is it helpful for me to do those things? And so he says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And so I think the Sabbath falls right in here. Yes, under the the New Testament law, I don't think we have to observe the Sabbath the exact way it's observed in the Old Testament. Under the New Testament covenant. However, it is right and helpful and good. For you to find places in your life where you rest in Christ. Your burdens will turn to blessings as you rest in him. He is your Lord. He is over it all. Some of you are wondering where the money is going to come from. Or how the relationship thing is going to work out. Or how you're going to get your work done this week. Or how the classes are going to get done this week. He is Lord over it all, and you need to rest in that truth. Some of you are wondering, on even grander scale, how will you gain favor with God? How will you right all the wrong that you've done? How will you fix everything that's messed up about you in your mind and in your heart? You need to rest in the reality that Jesus is Savior. Jesus forgives, that Jesus renews, and he restores. I'm going to invite our worship team back up uh, as, as we prepare to close this morning. My prayer for you today is that, is that the blessings that, of rest are not burdensome to you, but they are, they are something that you experience as you spend time with Jesus Christ. But there is freedom in that. The question is, the question is how, how do you do it in a way that builds you up? And for some of you, that is spending time in creation and in nature. That's how you rest in Christ. For some of you, it's music. For some of you, it is journaling. And I am in envy and awe of you. I'll tell you what's helped me. I just want to give you one tool, something that's helped me recently. There's this app called Lectio 365. It's free. It's an app that somebody told me about it. And it's somebody who, who I feel like I'm, I, I've always got this task list in front of me. 
This has been really helpful for me to slow me down on a daily basis and help me rest in Christ. Part of what we wanted to do in these sermon series is to give you a couple of minutes in the service to rest. And so as we end here this morning, I'm going to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to, I'm going to take you through the Sabbath meditation that's on this app from a couple of Sundays ago. Let's rest in God together. There's an author named Justin Whitmell Early who writes, We live in a culture that can't accept Sabbath. We do not believe that work is from God and for our neighbor. Instead, we believe that work is from us and for us. It's something we pursue to become who we want to become. Our careers define us. This is the American dream. We can work our way to significance. This is what we're doing when we prove our busyness to ourselves and each other. We're trying to show that we matter, that the world wants us, that the world depends on us. Today on the Lord's Day, we stop striving and pause our prayers to simply enjoy His presence. The late, great Dallas Willard was once asked if he had just one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? Willard paused and smiled. Relaxed, he replied. Jesus Christ was relaxed. With just three years to save the planet, Jesus still found time to attend parties and to go fishing. This means that he was officially less busy than the average person. Father, help me today to relax and rest as you rested, honoring your creation with my recreation, expressing my trust through rest, and in all I do, saying with you, it is good. It is good. It is very good. In the silence of this moment, I remember the church gathering today all around the world, asking that the house of God would increasingly become a house of prayer for every nation. Father, thank you for your beautiful, multicultural, intergenerational family gathering today in so many countries. Deliver us, we pray, from dead religion and empty ritual. Instead, may our eyes be open to see spiritual realities. May our prayers rise before your throne like incense. And may our faith put a smile on your face. As we gather today, may preachers and worship leaders step out of the limelight into the twilight to fix the spotlight. I now take a moment to earth these big prayers locally, lifting up my own church family and asking that our eyes 
might focus more on Jesus Christ. May this day bring Sabbath rest to my heart and my home. May God's image in me be restored. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May I know grace to embrace my own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed me and his spirit lead me into the week and into the life to come. Amen. Would you stand and let's close out our time together in song.